Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, oh boy, the Jets head into the All-Star break on a major downer. After a loss in Philadelphia. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rowicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Ten. 10, 10, 10. 10 was the number of the day in Winnipeg heading into the weekend. And why is that a significant number, you might ask? Well, in case you don't know, heading into the All-Star break, the Winnipeg Jets have a 10% chance of making the postseason. A 10% chance! This is according to The Athletic and a number of other playoff prognosticating websites. I mean, look, I know I had to take statistics a couple of times in university because the first two ended up with an F, but that's a 90% chance of missing the postseason. And it's crazy, isn't it, right? Like, I mean, a season that started with so much promise is pretty much, for all intents and purposes, all over at the halfway point from a competitive standpoint when it comes to the playoff chase. And I got to say, this is pretty much worst case scenario too for the Jets. Because if the season ended today, Winnipeg would hold just the 13th overall pick in the upcoming NHL draft. And so you're basically in the same spot that the old Jerome McGinn, the Flames were in for a number of years where you're not truly bad enough to bottom out and pick at the top five, but you're not headed into the playoffs either. You're not getting a high enough draft pick. And you're still not getting the chance to play some meaningful hockey in the last month or so of the season. It, it just sucks. And even now, it's still taking me off guard a little bit. I just did not envision that this was the way things were going to play out with this team this year. And I think even the most optimistic Jets fan had some major cold water thrown on them with the way the club went into the All-Star break. After that 3-1 loss to the lowly, lowly Philadelphia Flyers earlier this week. And really... You know, the game was pretty much a summary of why the Jets are in the spot that they're in right now. That that game pretty much encapsulates all the problems with the franchise, all the problems with the organization this season, and maybe even a couple of seasons if you want to go back that far as well. You had the poor defensive play, right, filled with turnovers, an inability to exit the zone cleanly, 
I mean, an inability to keep the opposing team from the middle of the ice, the one spot of the ice that you should be defending. Again, the Winnipeg Jets gave up high-quality chance after high-quality chance to a team that doesn't really generate a whole lot of those. You had, you know, one line that did the scoring, which was great, but the other top six line got caved in once again, and then no offensive bottom six production once again as well. And then to top it all off, you give up a late goal, late in regulation to miss out on the chance of at least one point, maybe two, and you also do it against one of the worst teams in the league, right? I mean, hey, who said this team has no identity? There's your identity right there. That's the Winnipeg Jets we've all come to know over the past little while here. This is what they do. And what makes it even more frustrating on top of all that that I just mentioned there is that it came off the heels of a, a really solid performance against the St. Louis Blues, right? Like a really good team, a huge division win. Maybe a chance to, to get some momentum rolling with the busy sked coming up in February and had a ton of games to try to make up some ground. But instead, it's a backbreaker of a loss. And not only is it a loss, but the Jets also got it taken to them by the Flyers, if we're being totally honest here, right? I mean, if you're one of those that looks at the advanced stats, 67% expected goals for rate by the Flyers in that game. The Jets only getting a third of the expected goals, and that's against a team that's only ahead of the Coyotes this season when it comes to expected goals. Even the Montreal Canadiens are ahead of the Flyers in that category, right? Like the Jets just allowed chance after chance against a team that hasn't really done any of that this season. And if it wasn't for, you know, what ended up being a strong performance from Connor Hellebuck, things could have gotten really, really ugly on the scoreboard on top of all that. So now we'll wait and see, I guess. You know, maybe a bit of vacation and time away from the rink and a reset can do the Jets some good. And who knows, maybe a miraculous push happens in the second half. Maybe, maybe 10% isn't 0%, so there's at least a chance. But I think it's pretty clear with what this group has shown this year that, you know, I mean, fans can think and say whatever they want, but specifically the management group, they've got to take a cold, calculated, realistic look at this roster and make decisions at the trade deadline first that will help next year's team, regardless of this year's team's standings in the wildcard chase I think it's officially time you know chasing one of the wildcard spots just isn't going to be good enough try try to whether it's a reload retool re, whatever r word you want to use try to position this team in a better spot heading into next season unfortunately that should be the main goal which again I, I just I didn't think we'd say that 42 games 41 games into the regular season speaking of management by the way in case you don't know, I'm, I'm very, very intrigued to see how this is all going to play out. Uh, but Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press says that uh, GM Kevin Chevaldeoff is set to speak with the media. I guess a bit of a State of the Union address to the local media about where the team is at heading into the second half of the season. I, I don't think an exact date has been set yet, but sometime in the upcoming week, he's going to step up to the podium. I mean, there's a lot of topics that Kevin Chevalier is going to have to address. I know that Chevy speak is, I mean, it's the most likely scenario, but the last time he stepped in front of the microphones was when Paul Maurice stepped down and he was pretty candid and frank about the fact that the team needed to be a lot better. It needed to, 
get much closer to the playoff line, let, you know, at the very least, be a contender once again, right? Like, there was a level of of urgency in his voice during that presser that I just don't remember seeing from him before, right? Like, a level of transparency as well on top of it. So, you know, it'll be very intriguing to see what he has to say and, and just the tone, the body language, all that, because since then, the team has gone into a bit of a nosedive and has basically played their way out of the playoffs. So, I mean, there's like the state of the team that needs to be addressed by Kevin Chevaldeoff. I mean, obviously, he's going to be asked about, you know, pending UFAs, players like Andrew Kopp. I don't really expect a whole lot of an answer there because, you know, there's still a month and a half before the upcoming trade deadline. But, I mean, the most important topic is obviously, outside of the team, going to be about Mark Shifley. And a chance to, I, I mean, he hasn't had to speak about Mark Shifley's play so far this season. And it's just, it's hard to ignore, isn't it? It's basically been a storyline since the, I don't know, second or third week of the season. And really amplified by both his play and the fact that this past week we've seen a couple of articles written. You know, Ken Weeb had a great one for Sportsnet. And Mike McIntyre, a great one more recently with the Winnipeg Free Press, basically saying that, you know, Mark Shifley is nowhere near at the level that he needs to be if the Winnipeg Jets want to be a successful team. I mean, the court of public opinion has swayed, I think, very clearly in one direction when it comes to Mark Shifley's play so far this season. I'm just very fascinated how Kevin Chevalier is going to touch that subject. Because do you kind of go the old Chevy speak route and, and not say a whole lot and say, you know, everybody could be better, including Mark? Or do you finally set a level of accountability here and say that, you know what, he needs to be better. And as a member of this leadership group and with a letter on his chest, the effort level's got to be higher, right? Like, I, I wonder how far Kevin Chevalier is going to go when he's asked about Mark Shifley's play so far this season. You know, it is interesting. Somebody mentioned this to me the other day. But with the vitriol he's getting from the fan base, with some media members now writing articles, you know, questioning just how effective he's been so far this season, this person mentioned to me that, you know, should Mark Shifley be cut some slack when you look at the year that Pierre-Luc Dubois is having, contrasted with the previous season where he was pretty ineffective for a large chunk of it. You know, there were some pretty reasonable circumstances and, and excuses as to why he struggled, but you see a talented player and the ability to bounce back. Should we maybe pull back the reins a little bit on a guy like Mark Shifley, especially because... You know, the market that Winnipeg is, you don't want to be seen as running a guy out of town in a city that struggles to attract, you know, high-end talent and free agents and trades and things of that nature. And I just could not disagree more. I think the Dubois-Shifley comparisons are kind of ridiculous because Dubois' struggles last year were not effort-related. PLD was not a liability in the defensive zone. It was a case of a young player into a new environment, dealing with injury, dealing with COVID, dealing with all that, struggling to put up points and make an impact on the offensive side of the ice. It's a completely different situation compared to what Mark Shifley is going through this season. If Shifley was just quite simply not putting the puck into the net as much as he used to, I, I don't think there's a whole lot of reason to go after him the way a lot of people have, right? I mean, offensive players go through slumps all the time. It's that That is a little more, you know, give and take. There's a little more ebb and flow 
when it comes to, to point production in certain instances. The main reason people are so upset with Mark Shifley is that we're talking about effort. We're talking about how hard he works on the ice. It's not a matter of point production. I, I could give a crap if, if Shifley's... If he continues the point production he's on right now, which is below his career average, and is average defensively, every single Jet fan would take that every day of the week. But we're talking about a player that isn't scoring as much as he used to, is quite possibly the worst, the worst defensive forward in all of hockey, and there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of effort level behind the play that has been subpar so far this season. The body language hasn't been good either. And and lately, we've seen some of the public comments that are alarming at best, right? Saying the team doesn't have an identity, something that head coach Dave Lowry pretty much immediately rebuked and, and sounded, you know, rightly pissed off about when he was asked about it. And then he ends up, you know, sitting Mark Shifley for the final three and a half minutes of the following game. So I don't think the, the Dubois... Shifley situations are comparable whatsoever. And I don't think anyone's trying to run him out of town. I think people just want to see legitimate effort at both ends of the rink. That's it. I don't think that's a whole lot to ask for from a professional athlete, let alone one that's making over $6 million a year. So, again, very, very intrigued to see what Kevin Shivaldayov has to say about number 55. And I guess... Overall, just what direction this team and, and this franchise is headed for both this season and the years to come as well. Now, I do want to touch on the big story from the game against the Flyers, aside from losing in Philadelphia. A play that everybody was talking about, there was a little bit of debate. And of course, it involved Vili Hainala once again, the future of the Jets blue line. We'll get to that in just a second. But quickly, a shout out to our friends over at DraftKings, one of the official sports betting partners of the NFL. And the big game is just about here. Maybe the best NFL playoffs of all time so far. It's just been crazy. And we're getting the game that I don't know if anybody could have ever predicted. Bengals versus Rams in just under two weeks' time. And DraftKings Sportsbook has a huge, huge deal on the table for you to get in on the action in time for the big game. Live in New York as well with DraftKings now. So for anybody in the Empire State, you can bet there. And if Sportsbook is not in your state or province just yet, remember DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest will be on tap for Super Bowl 56. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code THPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 or older, minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Red Line. 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. 
Alright, so the big debate, I guess during and then after the Jets' 3-1 loss to the Philadelphia Flyers, centered around the play that ultimately led to the game-winning goal for Philly with about three minutes and change left in the third period. Just a refresher in case you forgot what happened. Philly Hainala with a puck up near the blue line, attempts a give-and-go with Andrew Kopp. A bit of a pinch-in, an aggressive play, doesn't work out. The Flyers head back on a two-on-one, bury the rebound with Hainala chasing. That ends up being your game-winning goal. The Flyers at an empty netter. It's curtains for the night. I guess let's just start with the obvious here. And that, to me, was... It was a bad pinch. That, that That's it. it. It was a bad pinch by Vili Hainala. And for me, it wasn't a bad pinch because of the time of the game. It wasn't a bad pinch because of the score of the game. You know, I have no problems whatsoever with being aggressive, especially from the blue line. You know, being aggressive to try to force some offense. And a lot of the times with the way teams defend in the NHL these days, that's... That's a way, especially late in hockey games, that you can generate some high-quality chances in the offensive zone. I don't have a problem with that mindset whatsoever. The reason it was a bad pinch is because there were way too many forwards down below the goal line, down towards the net, and there was nobody that would have been able to cover for Vili Hainala in that situation. That's why it's a bad pinch, right? Because you had two forwards right around the net, you know, basically below the goal line. And then Andrew Kopp is the one receiving the pass from Vili Hainala. So, I mean, obviously he's not going to be able to cover for him, you know, to skate back and, and get towards the blue line because he's got the puck on his stick. And yeah, you know what? It was a bad pass by Andrew Kopp to Vili Hainala in that situation. But you have to have more awareness in that situation. As a defenseman, if you're going to make the pinch that late in a tie game, you better be damn sure that you have a forward that's ready to cover for you in that situation. And Vili Hainala, he, he took a risk, took a chance. That's that's what young players do, right? Is they'll lead more towards the offensive side of things. And by the time they realize it's a mistake, it's, it's usually too late. And of course, with young players as well, the puck always does seem to find its way in the back of the net. <laughs> as, you know, venture, venture mistakes never end up in the back of the net. Rookie ones, they always do for some reason. Um, but I, I was just, I was kind of blown away that there was a decent amount of people, you know, I guess defending Vili Hainala on that play. And I, hey, I, I just don't see it. I know, I know you want, everybody wants the, the, the prospects and the young kids to maybe you're, you're a bit more defensive of, of players like that, but look, he made a bad pinch and it, it doesn't have to be anything more than that. Right. So I, I, and I saw people even saying that, you know, incorrectly say that it was a bad pinch and that means that he's a bad player and he's never going to turn out to be anything, right? Like, that's that's incorrect too. Every mistake doesn't have to be a referendum on, on what a player is ultimately going to be. So, sometimes a mistake is just a mistake. <laughs> and you know what? Well, the main thing is going to be if, if Billy Hanel is in a similar situation, if he's if he's going to learn from it, right? Like, that, <laughs> that's what you hope for out of the young players on the ice that if they make a mistake, they don't make the same one twice. And it is a delicate balance, right? Because you, you do want skilled players like that to follow their instincts to a degree, to, to be aggressive and, and play aggressive and not worry about making mistakes. But at the same time, you also have to hammer home that, you know what, you need to be 100% sure in that situation that you're making the right move, your team's ready to cover for you, and you don't ultimately give up a, a high-danger chance going back the other way. So... Ultimately, it was a bad pinch. 
given the situation and the, and the location of the other players on the ice. But you know what? There were a lot bigger problems in that game than Vili Hanela trying to be a little bit aggressive late in the third period to get the Jets the go-ahead goal, right? I mean, the defensive issues were, were far greater. The fact that, realistically, any line other than Dubois, Connor Perfetti failed to generate enough scoring chances, right? Like, there were way more pressing issues than just one decision in one instance by a 20-year-old defenseman. On top of it, too, you know, while Hanela didn't have a great game himself, you know, his his partner was quite possibly the worst player on the ice. And it might have been Neil Pionk's worst game as Winnipeg Jet, right? I mean, you want to talk about mistakes, you know, giving the puck to Travis Konechny on the first Flyers goal of the night was you know, arguably a bigger mistake than the one Hanela made. It's just that one gets a bit more magnified because of the time of the game that it happened. But, you know, Neil Pionk didn't help out his partner a whole lot in that game as well. You know, again, it doesn't have to be a referendum on who Vili Hanela is ultimately going to be as a Winnipeg Jet. He could very well still turn out to be a very, very good defenseman in the near future. But if we're isolating that one single play, a little more on ice awareness, and that play doesn't happen against the Winnipeg Jets. So I, I imagine Billy Hadel is going to learn from it, and he's going to move on, and he's going to be much, much better by the time the Winnipeg Jets get back to the ice. It, it was a bit of a rough one for him and, and a lot of the team. Uh, Neil Pionk more so than anybody, I think. You know, I guess if we're going to take one positive from the game against the Flyers, I thought Johnny Kovacevich looked great. You know, that I, I guess there's that, right? If we're going to try to pick a positive to end off the episode here. You know, I thought Johnny Kovacevich showed himself really, really well in that game. So, uh, another bright spot of the future of the Winnipeg Jets blue line. Maybe the only bright spot as the team heads into the All-Star break. Outside of Kyle Connor, I guess, obviously. And it'll be really intriguing to see what Kyle Connor gets up to. At All-Star Weekend out there in Las Vegas. I mean, it's going to be a fastest skater competition for the ages, right? With guys like McDavid and Dylan Larkin and Kale McCarr out there. It's it's going to be interesting to see where Kyle Connor stacks up against some of the best speedsters in the NHL. But at least Jets fans have that to look forward to as uh, the hockey world takes a bit of a breather this weekend. And on top of it, you know what? Kyle Connor at least deserved that All-Star berth as opposed to... Other teams, looking at you, Chicago, Seattle, Arizona, Montreal, Philadelphia too. But that's a little bit of positivity as we wrap up the episode here. Uh, So that's going to do it for us today. We'll get back at it on Wednesday, actually, instead of our normal Tuesday slot. We'll get back to it Wednesday. That way we can break down the first game back after the break for the Winnipeg Jets. A tough one, a doozy against the Minnesota Wild, and that'll be at half capacity as well in Winnipeg. So, hey, maybe uh, a bit of a boost from the hometown crowd could help out the Jets, but we'll break that one down for you guys when we return on Wednesday's episode. Do want to let you know as well that next Friday's episode, so a week from today, we're heading back to the food game. Really, really excited to talk with a really, really tasty-ass place here in Winnipeg that I mentioned in a previous episode not too long ago. Aroma Bistro, if you haven't been, if you have been, make sure you tune into next Friday's episode. We'll get to chat with the owner and chef of Aroma Bistro right here in Winnipeg. So that's coming up next week. Until then, though, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Skates and Plates right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. Thanks again. Enjoy the weekend and stay safe, everybody. Peace.